Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Very Cold Lasagna Podcast, your filthy casual place for all the filthy casual takes on the world of sports. I am Dylan Lasagna. This is episode number 141 of this icy yet spicy podcast. Today, we got a good episode for you all today because, well, draft weekend has come and gone. Yes, two drafts took place in the span of a couple days. But in this episode, we're going to be talking about the 2023 NFL Draft and how this particular team did in this draft. Which team am I talking about? Well, of course, it's my team, the San Francisco 49ers. And, well, they didn't really have a start to this draft until late in day two. They did have a good amount of picks um, going into draft weekend. But how did they end up using them all? They had a lot of needs to address. And coming into um, this draft, when a lot of their free agents come and, come and went, came and went, how do you pronounce it? But anyway, came and went, and they had a lot of holes to fill and, you know, some fine-tuning to do. Either way, for Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, there are a lot of things to for them to, to key in on if they want to make a serious run going into 2023. But that's what we're here to talk about in this episode. Now, for my brief thoughts on this overall NFL draft, um, I really honed in mostly on the first round of of the draft. And I got to say, there was some interesting notes. There were some interesting surprises in that draft. I mean, I will say it was not really much of a surprise for the Carolina Panthers to take uh, Bryce Young at number one overall. That was not much of a surprise. But what did surprise me, though, um, was after the Houston Texans did take a quarterback, which was the smart move, they decided to trade up and go get C.J. Stroud. Uh, not get C.J. Stroud. Um, Will Anderson. They traded up um, to go get Will Anderson at number three. So they traded up from 12 to three to go get uh, Will Anderson. So very aggressive move. And honestly, the right move to make. So they got perhaps one of the best quarterbacks off the board and one of the best defensive ends off the board. So the Texans actually made, like at least right now, a pretty good move on dra- on the first day of the draft. Then uh, for the Atlanta Falcons at number eight, they made a really interesting move at number and number eight by getting B. John Robinson from Texas and. Yeah, I, I did say I liked B. John Robinson going into this um going into the draft. Um, but it was interesting for the Falcons to take him because they did have a another rusher that um I, f- I don't remember his name, but he did break a lot of franchise rushing records. And they also had Cordell Patterson on the roster. So it was a little interesting for them to take B. John Robinson. Maybe they needed another running back to go alongside Desmond Ritter to make the offense more explosive. But we'll see how that pans out. And then for the Lions, you know, they had two uh, first-round picks. Um, they used the first one on a running back by the name of Jameer Gibbs when they had DeAndre Swift initially on the roster. And then on day, I think it was day three, he was not on the roster. He traded, They traded him to the Philadelphia Eagles. So I was like, so that make, move makes a lot more sense now. But it was kind of weird that they trade away uh, DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Swift to the Eagles. So I was like, hmm, maybe there's something I don't know. But either way, um, <clears throat> overall, um, this draft 
I mean, at least for the first round, it was it was pretty it was, it was pretty interesting with some twists and turns. And I gotta say, these teams, hopefully they address some of their holes, they address some of their needs. Um, obviously, as we get closer to season preview month in July, I'm gonna be taking a closer look at some of the some of the players that um, these teams drafted and see if they can make an impact, especially the first round picks. Can they make an impact? on these teams and now before we get into our main topic of the day uh i do want to apologize my throat is kind of boot booty <laughs> my throat is kind of booty um i'm battling like allergy season here on very cold lasagna so bear with me my throat may be a little on the bad side but anyway we're gonna over, we're gonna try to do battle with it we're gonna try to overcome as we talk about um some social media some social media things that we're here to talk about. Uh, make sure you subscribe, turn on the notification bell. If you're watching this on YouTube, leave a comment, like, like the episode, and share it with your friends. Other on Twitter or Instagram, uh, very cold lasagna. And if you're listening to this on the auto side of things, make sure you listen to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your your podcast on where on your audio device. Listen to the show wherever you get it, because very cold lasagna. We're continuing to grow. I, I appreciate the support that been coming along these past couple of weeks. I like really, it's been it's been great. As for the content that's coming up this week, um, we we obviously have this episode that we're gonna be covering, and then we have the WWE draft review that's uh, coming coming along. Uh, I literally have on my phone. Um, the night two of the WWE draft, like literally what's playing on my phone right now, it's like a backstage segment with Bianca and Io Shirai. I don't know what's happening because I have it. Obviously, I have it on mute. But anyway, um, I'm going to be reviewing the, the whole WWE draft. Um, I'm not going to give my thoughts here. And then this Saturday is Backlash. So I think I mentioned this on my Instagram story that <clears throat> I will not, I will not, be doing like my my new like weekly my weekly five minutes segment called the raw smackdown this week because it is a pay-per-view so it's not really worth talking about anything notable because well it's like the go home show for the uh for wwe so not really worth mentioning a lot of things uh on the the raw smackdown for for this week's because i want to keep my full focus on trying to review uh, trying to get things ready for this pay-per-view review for Backlash. So that's what's coming up um, for a very cold lasagna. So make sure you tune in, stay tuned uh, to any updates on social media, and yeah, subscribe and follow and all that good stuff. So let's get into the main topic of today's episode, and that is, well, how did the 49ers do in this 2023 NFL draft? When I was looking at what they exactly needed in this in this draft when I talked about them at the very tail end of my filthy casuals guide to the 2023 draft. There were a lot of things, most definitely, because <clears throat> going to this draft, you had all these speculative needs of, oh, is Trey Lance going to get traded? Is is it, it, are they going to go for a third string quarterback and all that stuff? And like, guys, chill, chill the f out. Like we have, we have Sam Darnold. Like we obviously don't know how Brock Purdy's going to be, 
But the biggest thing that they need to address in this draft was getting a right tackle, protecting that right side of the line, because that's what got Brock Purdy injured. That's what got Jimmy Garoppolo injured. Hell, it also nearly got Trey Lance injured until stupid play calling got him injured. But anyway, the offensive line was a major issue in the 2022 season. And the right side of the line was very bad. Especially Mike McGlinchey, man. He was piss poor. He was a holding machine. So it's not great. It was just not great in, in 2022. So finding his replacement was essential. It was absolutely essential in, in this draft. Uh, some of their top needs that they needed to get in this draft was uh, a guard, whether it was in the left or right side. I mean, yeah, they already have Aaron Banks and and Nick Sebigic and Spencer Burford. Uh, but, you know, you can always add, add, add some people in the ranks to compete with them. And then you can always use another cornerback to add to the rotation, a safety to replace Jimmy Ward, a backup tight end because, well, what what if uh, George Kittle got injured? And I, I put it out there just for just because a third string quarterback just in the event that oh they just the, the 49ers decided to be dumb dicks and and trade Trey Lance just just in the event. But anyway, um, so for the 49ers, they had about ten total picks to work with in this draft because well the only thing was um, in this draft. They didn't have a first-round pick or a second-round pick because back in 2021, they made that big trade to go up and get Trey Lance. So they gave up like two years' worth of first-round picks. And then with the Christian McCaffrey trade, along with it, they also gave up this year's second-round pick. So nonetheless, you know, they still have a bevy of, of picks throughout the weekend because of, of these comp- this new um, compensatory rule. Um, from like losing minority coaches like Robert Sala, Mike McDaniel, um, and another general manager. So not all that bad. Um, you still got 10 total picks to work with. So when you get to the nitty gritty of it, um, to their actual picks, you, you got to round three. That's when they started um, picking um, players uh, of who can really help them. And they actually made a trade up uh, to to the Vikings in, in round three. So they traded like what was initially supposed to be their, um, like their third pick of the, of the, of the third round. So they traded like picks 102, 164, the fourth round and 222 of the fifth round. So yeah, they trade those three picks to go trade up uh, to number 87. And with that pick, they went to pick a safety. So they went right away to find, Jimmy Ward's, maybe Jimmy Ward's replacement, or maybe another guy to go alongside Talano Hufanka. I don't know. But anyway, this guy, by the name of Jair Brown from Penn State, from what I saw already, he looks like he could be a, an immediate contributor. Because what I like about him the most is that he knows how to create turnovers. He's crazy aggressive in both coverage and tackling. And he also has a lot of great anticipation of what the quarterback can do. Like, he can read... His uh, his eyes, the opposing quarterback's eyes, very well, um, and he was the team MVP for Penn State in twenty twenty two because of that. The only weakness um, from from uh, Brown is that he can get over aggressive, like too aggressive, and that can get him in trouble. 
So uh, when he doesn't get what he wants, um, people uh, people can pick on him. And he doesn't have the top speed to make up for it. So also, when it comes to one-on-one coverage, he's not exactly great. He's not exactly reliable um, in run defense as well. So overall, um, with, with Jair Brown... He could be a great addition to the 49ers as they look to vo- fill the void by Jimmy Ward's departure. Yeah, he lacks that top speed, um, but I do think he has a chance to contribute early with this multi-skilled assets. Like, he can really read the quarterback well. Um, he he can tackle uh, he can tackle okay-ish in hash coverage, but, and I want to take something back about this run defense. He's really good. He can really detect the runner very well. He can detect like run plays really, really good. So Jair Brown could be an early contributor um, for the 49ers. Now, yeah, for this next pick that the 49ers had in the third round, he had a lot of people scratching their heads. It really did. Um, I, I, I can't really say much yet about this pick because we'll see. We'll see how it pans out. And that's their, the 99th pick of this draft. Uh, now it's a kicker. Yeah, a kicker, Jake Moody from Michigan. Now, I know, I and I could understand why people were upset with this pick. Um, because it was too early. It Like, it was too soon for a too, yeah, t- like, way too soon for the 49ers to pick a kicker in the draft when they had other pressing needs to address like a tackle. And I, I can certainly attest to that. I can certainly understand why they felt that need. Um, especially when, when the talk about the picks later on, they didn't address those needs. However, I can also defend the fact that the Niners also had to address at the same time, like a need, uh, another need that they needed. Well, and that was, well, um, they didn't have, they didn't really have a kicker when Robbie Gold left in free agency. So sure they had, I think it was like saying Gonzalez, um, th- then they signed him. But other than that, it's like, then Gonzalez is kind of a bust, um, during, during his current NFL tenure. And with Jake Moody, he's, when you look at him, when you look at his film, I mean, he's a strong, accurate kicker, um, under 50 yards and he delivered for the Wolverines in clutch time. Um, and then, yeah, over 50 yards, he, he struggles with his kicks, um, as his kicks go wide left. Um, so he's going to have to work with that. He's going to work on those tighter situations where he's asked to go, uh, kick in those long range, uh, field goal situations. I think his career high was like 59, 59 yards, but yeah, he's going to have to work on improving those long distance kicks. So yeah, I can understand why people in the 49ers faithful were questioning John Lynch's thinking by drafting a kicker that soon. Um, I, I'm not here to defend like the pick for Moody. Um, he does have some solid tangibles. Um, that gives him a chance to compete uh, with Zane, Zane Gonzalez during the offseason for the sole uh, starting kicker spot. And we'll see how it, how it plays out. Maybe too soon. Um, yeah, maybe too soon for um, the 49ers to, to pick that uh, pick a kicker in that spot. But either way, I, I think it's okay for where it is. 
That, that's just my thinking. Then for their last pick in the third round, they picked a tight end by the name of Cameron Latu from Alabama. Now, this is another pressing need that they need to address, the backup tight end spot, because, well, you know, George Kittle's not getting any younger. Um, and, you know, he's always, he also he's always been battling with injuries for as good of a tight end he is. You know, he's always had those, um, those health, health issues. And with Cameron Latu, you know, he, he's, he, he's a pretty solid tight end. You know, he's, he, he does a good job finding open gaps in coverage to allow his quarterback to throw to him. He has pretty reliable hands. The only thing is he doesn't exactly do well as a blocker. Um, so that's what George Kittle excels at. And the two, not exactly. He also doesn't have the fast speed and acceleration that today's NFL tight ends have. So the two may be hampered uh, a bit due to his lack of speed. Um, but, you know, whenever Kyle Shanahan wants to utilize a two tight end set or swap out George Kittle um, on plays, hey, like you can at least use the two if he gets that backup tight end spot. So, you know, you never know. You never know. So the next pick we have goes into round five because the 49ers traded away their fourth round pick. Um, when we get to pick number 155 in round five, they wanted to address another one of their pressing needs, and that was a cornerback. This cornerback by the name of Darrell Lutter from uh, Southern Alabama, so a small school. Um, and I kind of like this pick. I kind of like this pick. You know, even though he's from a small school, uh, Luter Jr. is pretty lengthy. He's a pretty sizable corner. He has good instincts on the ball, awareness and coverage. Um, he does struggle a bit in one-on-one -on -one coverage with this average speed. Um, and that can get him beat by more speedy receivers. But when he's in the spread uh, zone coverage, uh, like when, when the defense is more spread out, he's very knowledgeable of where receivers are going to go. And he knows where quarterbacks are going to look. So for Luter Jr., you know, he has the opportunity to compete for a spot in the cornerback rotation that's currently held up by Diamoje Lenore, Henry Thomas, um, Charvarius Ward. I mean, obviously, Charvarius Ward's going to hold up one of those corner spots. But the other one, that, that could be a dogfight. Um, whoever's going to go alongside uh, Charvarius Ward. So it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, whoever's going to be a part of that uh, cornerback rotation in the second slot. Um, I think he's just going to have to do what he can to try to boost up his speed a bit in one-on-one -on -one coverage. Next up, we get to one pick number 173. Um, they picked an edge rusher, uh, a linebacker by the name of Robert Beal Jr. from Georgia. So when I saw Robert Beal's uh, tape, you know, he was a solid producer um, since he had been a consistent part of Georgia's rotation in 2021. Um, he's pretty lengthy. Um, he, he, his length helped him assume control. And, you know, when, when they were going and offenses were trying to do running plays, um, he used his length to weaken rushing barriers from pretty much all angles. Um, he was also willing to, he was also willing tackler that, you know, he doesn't give up on, on, on the play. And, you know, when he wanted to like go and go after, after whoever was holding the football, he had a he had this strong burst, the strong rush, that helped him limit like a lot of whatever is the rusher, uh, the the running back or like quarterbacks, especially mobile quarterbacks. But you know, even though he was like an edge defender, he didn't have too many sacks in college. 
Um, and he was just mainly used as a rotational piece rather than a starting one. So I think for Beal Jr., um, he's going to have to prove himself that he can be a key a key piece in that 49ers defense. But it's, it could take it could take a while if he does end up on the 53-man roster because he'll probably be buried by the likes of Clinton Farrell and Austin Bryant and maybe even Kerry Hyder Jr. But I do think that there's some a little bit of upside um, from Robert Beal. So if he can polish up on some of his areas of improvement, then I think he could be a key part of that 49ers defensive line. And then we get to the sixth round of the draft. Pick number 216, uh, 216 linebacker D. Winters from TCU. Um, I, I, I also like this pick because an interesting note about Winters is that he played a lot of positions in high school. So he pretty much played most of the positions um, on offense except for offensive line. So he played quarterback, receiver, running back. And then on defense, he played linebacker, defensive back. And then he also played as a punter. So he brings versatility, not just into college, but into the NFL. He also uses his past experience as a receiver and a defensive back to make himself a speedy linebacker that could play spread zone defense very well and go toe-to-toe in one-on-one coverage. He also makes these nice chase-down tackles in both run and pass defense. So even though he's a good run defender, um, I actually do notice uh, one glaring weakness. Him actually noticing a running play and taking place it is an issue. Um, it, like he takes a little bit of a while to like see that it, that running play is happening, and that can like when he's trying to like stop stop the run, it it gets like it takes him a long time, and that allows him uh, allows him to get stopped like immediately by offensive linemen. So that can be an issue. That can be an issue for him uh, going into the NFL if he makes that roster. So when, even though uh, it could be an uphill battle for him uh, making that 53-man roster, um, I do think that Winters does bring some versatility and speed as a linebacker and a multifaceted skill set. So I just think that he's going to have to make some quick decisions with the running game and, and the run defense and a little bit more, more IQ. So we get to the final round of the draft. Uh, pick number 247, tight end Brandon Willis from Oklahoma. It was a little interesting why they picked another tight end in this spot. I wasn't sure of the thought process here, but at least with uh, Braden Willis, unlike with Cameron Latou, Braden Willis brings a little bit of flexibility as a tight end. And he's flashed that flexibility in 2022. Um, and we'll talk about that in a bit. Where he truly shines, however, unlike with Latou, he is a strong blocker. Um, he, because with his blocking ability, he he's not like oh like Mike McGlinchey like or George Kittle like blocking. He finds that right balance, being passive aggressive, like leveraging his blocks, not making sure that he doesn't get called for holding and all that. So, overall, he, he's a pretty good blocker. And he's also shown ability to be a runner, a court, like a thrower, as a, even though he's, a, he's technically a tight end. So, you know, if he's asked to do those kind of plays, he can do it. But as a, tra- as a traditional tight end, 
even though he has some uh, good hands, he creates some nice spacing for himself. He is pretty undersized. He doesn't really have that much lethal space, uh, strength in him. So he may have to um, bulk up a bit um, if he wants to be like a traditional tight end a little bit. So I do think that Willis could have a little bit of a stronger chance to make the roster than Cameron Latou, just a little. But he's going to have to learn quick that what he can offer in terms of flexibility may not always translate um, to, to the 49ers offense and just to the NFL offense in general. So he's going to have to learn to adapt to the current environment of the NFL and what um, exactly you know being an NFL tight end today really means. Then we get to the second and final pick for the 49ers, and that is a receiver by the name of Ronnie Bell from Michigan. So with Ronnie Bell, what really impressed me was his route running. He's like, he like he exactly know where to go. Um, he's very flexible with this route style. And like he doesn't flash like elite speed, but he like takes off like right away. Like he's pretty effective, like right off the snap. He's also very protective of the football. He can and he can also go off the script for the quarterback. Like, even though, yeah, he sets his routes. Like, if he notices that his quarterback needs him to to make a play, he'll go, he'll go out of his way to make that play happen. He need he'll go and into that open space, find an open space for him and make a catch for him. But even though with his strong route running skills, the yards after catch. Is not that is actually interesting. Don't match it because yeah, when he makes those like yak catches after the catch, it's like he kind of like stutter stops. He kind of doesn't really like know where to go after that, and he doesn't have the physicality to back it up. So that could be a problem for him going up against more physical defensive backs. Maybe for example, like Jalen Ramsey or um, what's another good one. Um, I don't, I don't know. I can't really think of one at the moment. But anyway, um, with Ronnie Bell though, I do like the versatility. I do like the flexibility. Maybe as a a receiver three or a receiver four for the 49ers with this strong route running and off script abilities. I do think he has a, a chance to make the roster. Um, I just think that he has to improve on doing uh, doing things after the catch. But hey, like, I mean, you have Debo, you have Ayuk, you have Jennings to help you out and develop those skills there. And then our final pick of the 2023 NFL Draft at number 255, linebacker Jalen Graham from Purdue. Not a lot of um, notes about this guy. All I know is that, you know, he's he, look, trying to find some tape on him. Is that, you know, he, he seemed like a decent player um, coming out of his time in Purdue. He had a strong football IQ. Um, you know, he was very relentless trying to get to the football, but not exactly a strong athlete. And trying to play in one-on-one coverage is his biggest weakness. So compared to the other linebackers uh, trying to uh, trying to make a spot on the roster in this rookie class, yeah, it could be a, a, an uphill battle for him. But, you know, maybe his willingness to gather the ball, you know, could be a key. Um, to making a, the special teams unit for him. So looking at some of the undrafted free agents, um, they did they a lot of it's running backs. I don't know why. <laughs> it's like, don't we have enough running backs? Uh, 
They they signed a couple of running backs and fullbacks. They also signed another defensive lineman. And they this is where things get interesting. This is where they this is the undrafted free agents is where they decided to pick uh, and sign the offensive line. They addressed the offensive line. So there wasn't really a lot um, of scouting notes on these offensive linemen like Corey Luciano, Willem Manning, um, Joey Fisher. It's like, and that's literally like where I wanted to go with this point. It's like, even though, yes, they did address a, like half of their needs, like half of their needs in, in this draft, like safety, um, like another another tight end, um, another edge rusher, to maybe, like an edge rusher death. The biggest thing that they didn't address in this draft was linemen, like a tackle, right tackle. Like that's the biggest thing that they need because that offensive line still kind of, this still pretty much in shambles. It's like, you're not sure, like Trent Williams is not getting any younger. Aaron Banks is like the only strong foundational piece in that line. Jake Brendel, I mean, he's solid, but can he repeat that success in 2023? I'm not sure what to think of Spencer Burford and Nick Zagievich in last year's uh, six-round pick. So why didn't they go out of their way to find in a right tackle to replace Mike McGlinchey with one of their day their day two, day two or early day three picks. And it's kind of weird that the reasoning was like, we didn't find anybody um, suitable. Like, really? Because the Chiefs managed to find one. It, it's just, it's just weird. It's just really weird um, what the prior, what their priorities are. I mean, it's not to say that, you know, they, they didn't have themselves a, a bad draft or anything because they, they did have a, a salt. They had, they didn't have a solid one. It's just that, their highest priority, which is the offensive line, was not addressed in this draft, which kind of like marks it down a bit for me. Kind of like puts it down for uh, make, makes it a downer for me a bit because you know having a strong offensive line is it's just as essential as having a good quarterback. Yet the 49ers seem to be banking heavily on their second year guys, Burford and Zajigovic. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce that name. Zajevij, along with the undrafted free agents that they brought in, if they even make the roster. So, I don't know. Do they really want to see another one of their quarterbacks, whether it's Purdy, Sam Darnold, Trey Lance, get injured again? Like, do they like? Do they not want them to make it throughout the season because of piss poor production or piss poor play calling? Like, I don't understand. I don't know what Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch's, like, uh, you know, their their thought process is. Like, how hard is it for them to see teams like the Cincinnati Bengals, the Kansas City Chiefs, and hell, even the Miami Dolphins upgrade their offensive lines throughout the recent years because, well, their quarterbacks got hurt. <laughs> it, it doesn't make any sense to me. It really doesn't. But still, you know, there's plenty of time um, for them before training camp, preseason, of course, the regular season, you know, to sort out the whole roster. Figure out which of these draft picks can contribute early or at all, especially the offensive line, because 
you know, you don't want your quarterback to get hurt at any point before the regular season or during the regular season. You just have to find some some hidden gem to protect whoever's going to be that quarterback in that, in that broken offensive line. Because I think that's still the biggest worry for me. The offensive line still is kind of a broken mess, especially on the right side. Like, didn't it didn't get any better, but I don't know. It just feels like it's not, it, 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 I mean, it's, I don't know. Let me rephrase that. It didn't get any worse, but it's also not getting any better at the same time. So, I'm not sure what the Niners are doing. Like, why aren't they investing in the offensive line? Why is it that the highest priority, like, right now? Why is it always the defense? It makes no sense. Like, yes, it's great to have a good... It's great that they have a good defense. But it's also important to have an offense that can back it up. Especially the protection up front. It makes no sense to me. But hopefully, you know, they find some time to address it in these next couple of months, going to training camp, going to preseason before the regular season, all the way in September. So I'd like to know your guys' thoughts on this this draft for the 49ers. Did they do good? Did they do bad? Did they do just okay? Let me know your thoughts on how the 49ers did in this 2023 NFL draft. Do you think some of these guys will do? Uh, will make the cut on come roster cut day in, all the way in September. I'd like to know your thoughts on that too. But anyway, that is it for this edition of Very Cold Lasagna, episode number 141 of this icy yet spicy podcast. And keep that lasagna very cold in the fridge with your takes on the world of sports. And until next time, peace out.